Uh, what I hope to help you understand today is perhaps the bigger picture and what's been going on in our country and, and, and to perhaps consider a, a little different way to respond to it than you have in the past. And so what I want us to understand, first of all, is this. Satan has a position of influence over our society. And of course, I'm going to talk about our society today. We, we have a lovely sister from England um, that's worshiping with us. And um, I could also say he has influence over the British society. And if we have any folks from Canada here today, which we do from time to time, he has influence over their society. And in fact, what we read in Ephesians chapter 2 is he has influence over all the societies of the world. Ephesians chapter 2, and you he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking about salvation. He said, you're spiritually alive now. You used to be spiritually dead before you believed in Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, you once had your manner of life according to the course or the pattern or the flow of this world. That's the society. That's what we're talking about. The word for world there is the word cosmo, cosmos. And it means, you know the word cosmetics comes from that. And it means to make something orderly. To take the, literally, to take the disorder and make order. And so, (laughs) the truth hurts. Barn needs painting, paint it. But, It's not talking about terra firma. It's not talking about the globe or the dirt. It's talking about the organized system of the world, the world system, the society of the world. We used to always walk according to the course of this society, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, once conducted ourselves, in other words, before we were born again, everybody before they're born again conducts themselves according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in all of the unbelievers. Verse 3, among whom we all conducted ourselves in the desires of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by nature the children of wrath, just as were others. Satan has a position of influence over our society. Now, as we, as we think about that, it's important to, to keep the whole balance of power in the universe in mind. Psalm 103 makes the, the baseline very clear. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Satan is not the dark god. Satan does not have complete control over our society or any other one. But Satan does have influence over our society under the allowance of God. This, this truth of God's, uh, of God's ruling over all is also in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. The power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. 
God is over all. Christ is over all. We need to never despair that somehow Satan is having his way as though there are no limits on him. First Peter 3 makes this clear as well. And when he talks about through the resurrection of Christ who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. What is Satan? Here's a clue, class. He's an angel. He's a created being, a spirit being, a spirit person. And we're not going to take time to unpack the whole scriptural doctrine of Satan, but if you have any doubt about any of the things that I'm saying, you come up afterwards and I'll open the scripture and show it to you. Satan is an incredibly powerful being created by God who rebelled against God and now seeks to get other, both spirit and human beings, to rebel against God. If I understand the book of Revelation correctly, he he took a third of the angels of heaven with him. And so if you want to know how many demons there are, there's there's one-third demons and two-thirds angels, if I understand the scripture correctly. And he works constantly, as he did with Eve, to get us to follow him and to, to listen to him. Now, the balance of power in the universe, I think, is best seen in this interchange between God and Satan in the book of Job. Then the Lord said to Satan, now right away, what we know is Satan has access to God. Satan speaks to God. God speaks to Satan. Okay. Other parts of the scripture talk about him being the accuser of the brethren, which means up in heaven, our names come up, and, and he says, look at that guy, and look at that gal, and so on and so forth. And so Satan has access to the Lord, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? It makes you kind of want to be mediocre. <laughs> Saint, or Job is like the best believer in the world. And, and the Lord says, Have you considered Job? And Satan says, well, I sure will. There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge or a fence or a a protection around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? We, we could stop right there, folks, and just say, you know what, there's a hedge around you too. Okay. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. You need to understand something really important here, folks. Satan has no power except the power God allows him to have. You don't need to try to bind Satan or pray against Satan. You need to just pray for God's help. Because God is the one who builds the fence, and God is the one who opens the gate from time to time and allows Satan to bring difficulty into our life. I don't believe that all of our difficulties come from Satan, but surely some of them do. And so God, in his sovereign purposes, allows us to be tested. Now you also notice something very important here. 
God did not bring evil against Job. And the next time you have a difficulty, don't look up to heaven and say, why are you punishing me? Because God doesn't do that. But there are times when God says, I'm going to open the fence and let Satan have access here because there's something I'm trying to achieve beyond the comfort of your life. And so Satan has that kind of access to our world. God has put certain parameters in place. I don't know what they are, but he has allowed Satan to have a certain reign over our world. And according to God, he is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the people of our society. Now, Some of you are probably thinking, why doesn't God just put him down once and for all? That's an excellent question. The best short answer I can give you is this. God has decided that the best way for his glory to be seen is to allow Satan the opportunity to try and influence people toward his way of belief. Is that the way you and I would do things? No, but God has deemed this the best. And so perhaps it's an issue of faith that you haven't worked over yet. And you need to come to a point where you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that your way is the best, even if it means gay marriage in our country. doesn't mean that I'm going to lay down, roll over, accept that, embrace that. Don't worry. Those weddings will not happen here. But it means we stop and say, God has chosen to allow Satan to have an influence over our society, frankly, which I don't like, but it's God's way. Now, the way that Satan accomplishes this, according to Ephesians 2, is he infects the society of his world with the societies of the world with his germs, his lies. What are those lies about? Let's think about his lies. His lies are about contradicting God's truth. He doesn't doesn't bother with other things. (laughs) He's got big fish to fry, and the big fish is this. Are you going to believe in God, or are you going to believe him? And so he sets about contradicting God's truth. He started that in Genesis chapter 1, and he's continued it on with our society. Now the serpent, and later on we find out that that is the devil himself who has inhabited the body of some type of a reptile, and he talked to Eve, and apparently it wasn't an uncommon thing, or perhaps the world was so new to her that she didn't know maybe there are talking reptiles. What do I know? But it didn't set her back at all. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said that? He begins to plant seeds of doubt with her. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God didn't say that last part. I, I don't know if she's starting to make things up already, or maybe God said something to her that wasn't recorded earlier in the Scripture, but it appears that she's beginning to succumb to this contradiction already. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God said, You will surely die. He says, You will not surely die. The greatest lie of Satan is this, friends. The greatest germ that can infect you spiritually is this. That the people of the world under Satan's control are going to say to you, you will not go to hell if you don't believe in Christ. God says you will go to hell if you don't believe in Christ. The world says no. And they have all kinds of creative ways to address it. Things like a loving God would never send people to hell. There is no hell. You know, on and on and on and all kinds of other ideas. Friends, that's the original lie and it's the worst lie. You will not surely die. In fact, not only will you not die, but God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now there's a kernel of truth in here, as, do, as, as most of his lies contain. And what's that kernel of truth? God called the tree, what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the problem was Eve didn't know what she didn't know. She would learn the difference between good and evil, wouldn't she? But it would not be a knowledge she wanted to have. And so Satan played off of that. And he says, you're going to be like God. There's an inference that all she knew in her world was good. And we look back now and say, Eve, hun, you really want to learn about evil? Yes. What Eve really wanted was to be independent. And that's what Satan was tempting her to do. Say, don't obey God. Go over here. Do this other thing. Take your own path. And of course, Satan did that. Now I want you to watch this pattern though. Because this is where the germs of Satan get really subtle in our society. God promised the punishment of death for rebellion. Satan said, not only will you not die, but what will actually happen is something great. That is the lie that Satan perpetuates through all of time and especially in our society. Let me give you some examples. God said sex outside of marriage is wrong. Marriage between one man and one woman. Outside of that, it's wrong. But Satan causes our society to say love can only be known through sex, so you need to have sex to know if you're in love, to know if you should get married. He turns it right on its head and he says, God said this, but here's the reality, quote unquote. God said only marriage between a man and a woman is right, but Satan causes our society to say any committed relationship is acceptable. God says marriage is supposed to be permanent. Satan says marriage is like an iPhone. It is a disposable piece of equipment. You have it, you enjoy it, it's bright and shiny and fun, and after a while you think, oh, I need the new model. That's the way our society thinks. God said you should not get drunk, 
But Satan says through our society, it's okay to blow off some steam. God said you're supposed to tell the truth. But Satan has caused our society to say, well, sometimes you need to lie. You need to lie to be nice to people. That's the greatest lie about lying. And of course, you need to lie to protect yourself. Everybody knows that. You can't tell the truth all the time. Come on. God said, love others more than yourself. Love others first. But Satan has caused our society, more than any society in the world, to believe that you have to love yourself first and best if you would even be able to love other people. This turned things on our heads so bad in society that even the secular evaluators looked and said, you know, there were headlines on magazines that said, too much self-esteem, question mark? You know what a lot of gang shootings are about? They're about disrespect. Don't you tell me what you're going to do. You can't disrespect me. I, my own self-esteem is the most important thing in the world. God said that we are living souls from the time of conception, whom he alone rules. But Satan has caused our society to say, it's only a blob of tissue, which the mother rules until nearly it's born. Paul summarized Satan's impact on our society this way. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed, paying attention to, listening to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods, and so on. Now in this particular text, Paul is talking specifically about the false teachers that arise in the church. But the source of their false doctrine is the same as that in the world. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How does Satan do that? I don't know. God doesn't tell us that. He does tell us that Satan's truth, Satan's lies all coincide with our human nature. And we'll look at that in just a minute. Satan and his demon servants are constantly trying to infect our society and our church. And every church that preaches the truth. It's very easy for us to see some of the current events and the lies of Satan... And, then, and, and to look at our country and think, our country is going down the tubes and we believe all these terrible things and practice all these terrible things. And we think, boy, we need to get back to the days of the founders. Yeah, those good Christian men who owned slaves and fathered children by their concubine slaves and defended the practice of slavery with God's word. Those were the days. That's when our country was great. Hey, folks, Satan has been infecting our country and every other country, England, sorry to say, and everybody else all the way back to Eve. It just looks better and worse, better and worse, depending on the evolution of it. 
We could look forward into more modern eras of our country that we even look back now and say, oh, weren't those great days in our country? Great days when powerful men still had concubines. We call them mistresses now. And the media would not report on it because this is a person of power and authority and we wouldn't want to ruin his position. And so the same things go on in different forms. And yet, because certain political things are more appealing to us, we long for the good old days. And believe me, I'm not trying to defend the foolishness of legislators today. I am not. But Satan has always been at work in our society and in the body of Christ. If you look at the body of Christ, it has gone through ups and downs as well. And, and, and it'd be a great and powerful church movement like there was in our country in the beginning that, that gave birth to wonderful theological seminaries like Princeton and Yale and Harvard. Places where God's word was taught. Preachers were trained. That's why those institutions were founded. Not quite the same today. And yet new schools have risen up and new schools failed and other schools. And so what we find is that God's work goes on, but it is constantly oppressed by Satan's influence as well. Why does Satan succeed? He succeeds because he incites our human nature. And this is where this begins to be personal. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. We all used to live in the lust of our flesh before we were believers in Christ. Now one of the applications today that I hope you'll take away is to say, Am I saying no to those lusts of the flesh as a believer? Because if I'm not, I'm contributing to the problem. But he said what Satan does is he speaks to the desires of our flesh. And then we go out and fulfill the desires of our flesh and of our mind because we are the children of wrath before we're believers in Christ. Here's the greatest summary, I think, of this stuff that Satan spreads around that appeals to our flesh. Remember, Eve didn't have a sin nature. Eve didn't get up in the morning struggling to do the right thing. She was just walking through life. And until Satan started to talk to her, she wasn't having a temptation toward rebellion. She didn't even know what it was. And so the temptation he put on her was to her human nature. The word flesh is used in the, in the New Testament. It's not talking specifically about your skin so much as your humanness. And certainly our humanness is bound up in our physical existence as well. But this is a great summary of what Satan goes after. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the word lust in the New Testament means a strong desire. Sometimes we, sometimes we equate lust with sexual thought, sexual fantasy, and that's not how it's used primarily in the New Testament. It's used of a strong desire. And so we have strong desires of the flesh, of the eyes, and of the pride of life. Let's look at Genesis 3 and see how that correlates. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she went, boy, that is a 
fine, fine-looking piece of fruit. I bet it would taste so, so good. You know, when I go to a bakery, I can tell how it's going to taste by looking at it. I, I know you're doubting me, but, but believe me, do I look like an expert or what? <laughs> I can tell what the texture is going to be like. I, there are certain clues that you look for there, and there's a lot of bakeries that I pass by. I really do, but I do find the ones that are worth stopping at. That is not the lust of my flesh. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, was that a joke or was he trying was was he trying to convince us he doesn't have temptation yeah Eve looked at that and said man I want to eat that Eve looked at it and said it's beautiful it was pleasant to the eyes there was something about it perhaps that was a little different or unique from the other fruit she said wow that's a great looking piece of fruit and it was a tree desirable to make one wise the pride of life she was going to gain something physically as well as personally or spiritually satan has molded our society to appeal to our human nature and doesn't take a rocket scientist to know uh, that the desires of our flesh are a big focus of, of advertisers in our society. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of picture collages for the next two points, but I, I, I said, you know, I don't think I should put up a picture of the sexually charged advertisements that are used to get our attention. Probably not the right thing to do here. And I don't really need to because all of you who are above puberty age understand that. The desire of the flesh, our society is being pushed by Satan to appeal to physical desires. Sex education in the schools and birth control methods are taught starting at childhood age because our society wants sexuality, sexual freedom to be available to all. Why? Simply put, it feels good. And it should feel good. God created it and said it's good. It's a good thing. But that doesn't mean it's good for everything. Marijuana will soon be available right alongside alcohol and cigarettes. The real question we should be asking is not why is marijuana legal, but why is alcohol such a pervasively legal thing in our society why is it? Why are those things so available? Because our flesh craves those feelings. That's okay. Homosexual behavior and now even marriage in many places is legal and acceptable. Why? Simply put, it feels good to people who are participating in it. And it feels good to all of the rest of the people to say, oh, we're giving everybody their freedom. Not all physical pleasures are wrong. Sexual expression inside marriage is right. Eating delicious food is right. It was not wrong for Eve to enjoy fruit, just not that fruit. Physical pleasures drive us, and when we listen to them and pay attention to them, we end up disobeying God. We can enjoy the physical pleasures inside God's parameter, but we cannot allow them to drive our life. 
Because when they drive us, we get into trouble just like Eve did. But that's what our society does. It says, go after these things. Let these drives move you. The second one is the desire of the eyes. Um, again, uh, why do they change the car model every year? Oh, it's because that last model was such a piece of junk. They just had to fix all of the defects on that car model. Do you know Do you know there was a little piece of stuff that wasn't bent just right? So we've changed the shape this year. Now that's way, way, way better. You know? Cell phone technology. Boom, boom, boom. New, new edition, new edition, new edition. Where's my mom? How, how many years you had that phone you're using? <laughs> Since they were created, I think. Pretty much. Boy, that thing makes phone calls like a, like a wild animal. But it won't text. Well, I guess it will text. It will text, yeah. But you can't surf the internet with it. Oh, take pictures too. But you can't surf the internet. You can't update your Facebook. No. It's a loser phone. That's the way our society thinks. And if we're not careful, we get infected with the same germs. Now, it's, again, I don't believe it's wrong to have good working technology. You're looking at it. Okay? I can preach a sermon without it. I know that. But it does enhance our, our means of communication. It's what our society has become used to in terms of methodology. So there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to say, what is driving me? Am I being driven by the, the desire that says, ooh, there's a new shiny thing. Oh, those new clothing styles. The clothing styles change every six months. Yeah, those old clothes, they were terrible. Why do we ever wear those? And we'll be saying the same thing again in six months. You know, some people will be. And, and, and so these shiny things, the desire of the eyes... And Jesus summarized it himself when he said, now pay attention, be careful, beware of coveting or wanting things, for your life does not consist. It's not made up of the abundance of things that you possess. The guy who dies with the most toys does not win. He does not win. Pride of life is the third leg on this stool of sinful desire. Um, The pride of our human nature craves significance. Many people have, uh, I should say, at least one story in every political season, you'll hear a, a question like this from somebody on the radio or the TV. Why does a person spend, I'm just going to throw a figure out, $5 $5 million to get a job that pays $140,000 a year. Yeah, you heard that, right? That kind of thing. Why all of this? Because they want to be the person. The person with the power, the person in authority, the person of rank, person of significance, the person who will have a title attached to their name for the rest of their lives. The pride of our human nature craves significance. Our obsession with fame is about significance. Who in the world was Snooky before she was on a reality show? She was just another Jersey girl living in sin, 
Now she's famous. Wow. I want to be famous. Really? Our friends who serve in Southeast Asia told us that in their country, the people, when they go swimming in the warm ocean water that we would, we would just die for and crave, they wear long sleeves and long pants because they do not want to get any extra sun tanning. They're already, they have color in their skin to begin with, but they don't want to get any extra color. You know why? Because the people who are dark colored are the people that have been out working in the farm fields and they're low class. In our country, we're, we're, we're laying out there spreading grease on ourselves saying, cook me, cook me. <laughs> and you know why? It's the same reason. It's status. I want to be thought of as something, so I have to be tan and healthy, or I have to be pale. One of the two. <laughs> depending on where I'm at. And where do those mentalities come from? They come from society. And where does society get those ideas? They get them from Satan. Does Satan care whether you're pale or tan? No. But he wants you pursuing pursuing, oh, the pride of life. I've got to be something. I've got to look like something. I've got to own something. I've got to have something. And so that's what's really going on in our society. And it drives people to do all kinds of things. Now, here's something else you might not associate with the pride of life, but it's very important. In the, in, in the Corinthian church, they had a problem. They had to deal with it. Had to be dealt with fairly harshly. And then there had to be forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. You know, the lack of forgiveness is the result of the pride of life. I'm not going to forgive that person. They did me wrong. They're bad. I'm good. I'm not forgiving. What drives that spirit? Is it really justice? Or is it the pride of life? It's the pride of life. It's also pushed by our society. Satan succeeds because he incites our human nature through the society. And when Satan succeeds, his lies cause the infection of rebellion. Um, when I handed these out, I said there might be germs on some of them. Is that a true statement? Yes. yes. Why? Because there's, there probably are. <laughs> because there's germs everywhere. There is germs everywhere. And we have to be aware of that. That's kind of mean to give you something to eat and tell you it'll make you sick. The only way that we find out there, in fact, really were germs in a certain person, on a certain thing that we touched, whatever it is, the only way we know is when we get sick. I mean, when we get sick, we go, well, something bad got into me. I have a friend who just spent a week in the hospital. He had cellulitis, which I, I've heard of that disease before, but I never really understood it. 
and uh, you know it's it is a ba- some kind of an infection of the of the outer layer of your skin. And his leg was red and purple from here down to here, and they had him on antibiotics I've never heard of before, with his leg propped up, and you know in the hospital for a week. He obviously got some germs. <laughs> Where did he get them? Well, the only the best guess is he got scratched by a rose bush doing some gardening. And maybe there was some some germs there. How do you know when you have been infected with Satan's worldly thought germs? Let's let Jesus answer that. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil and the decisions of your father he, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. If you do not believe what God has said and is saying in his word, and out of that belief, if you do not obey Christ, it is because you are infected with Satan's lies. There is some spiritual truth in in your person, and it's either God's truth or some other uh, false truth. And what we're seeing in our society is, is the, in, the increasing pervasiveness of Satan's lies. I, I don't know whether there were more Christians years ago than there are now. God only knows. But I know we, we held sin at bay. We had laws that said, we're going to punish you if you commit sin. And somehow people have managed to throw those things off. There have been great societal changes. I remember an interview with, with Hugh Hefner, the publisher of Playboy magazine, talking about how proud he was to have played a significant role in the sexual liberation of our country. You're either standing in God's truth or you're standing in Satan's lies. If you're not believing and obeying God, you have been infected by Satan's germs. And the challenge we're in as Christians in this country is we're trying to fight back with laws against a problem that is spiritual in nature. And we obviously can make laws to make certain things illegal. We've done that. We continue to do that. We can do that. Absolutely. Is it going to change our society and change people? I think the only way we can do that is by a more godly form of opposition. How should we respond? First of all, we should respond, and this is not on your notes. This was a late-breaking addition that, as I meditated this morning, I realized I had forgotten to add to my sermon. But the first and foremost thing, and our opposition to the work of Satan, and, and I hope what you understand a little better today is that our society is degenerating because of the work of Satan. See, sometimes, sometimes I think we look at people and if we see them as an isolated, here's a person who is trying to change the marriage laws or here's a person who's trying to change the abortion law or we just see that and we don't stop and say, you know what, the, the dark 
force of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is pushing on our whole society. And that society is pushing on that person. This person is not standing alone. And I need to see this this more global picture. Uh, Sometimes we refer to it as the battle of the ages, that Satan is fighting against God's, God's ways. And my first and foremost response needs to be by faith. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I need to understand that no matter what Satan does, he is not going to win. He, the, the church of God is going to go on. Now here's the, here's the disturbing part. And uh, I don't like it any more than you do. God did not say, I will build the United States of America and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God did not say, I am going to build you a cozy, comfortable, secure existence and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. He said, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Frankly, that's why I'm not worried about whatever law gets written here. We're going to stand for God's truth. We're going to preach God's truth. And there may be a price to pay for that. We may have to pay property taxes someday. We'll just have to raise the budget then. Now, should we fight it? Absolutely fight it. Be politically active. Go after those things. But realize the promise of God is on this institution the church the body of christ and this is the answer to society's problems our faith needs to be in god and in what he is doing not just in a country i mean it's been such a privilege i know i've said this before but we need to remember it it's been such a privilege just in my lifetime to see the nation of china go from extreme repressiveness to Christianity to now allowing it by and large and to have millions and millions of Christians there. Now, do I like the way the Chinese government runs the nation? No, not at all. Is that the most important thing in the world? Or is it the salvation of those millions of people? Somehow we've got to get a hold of that and say, I will vote... I will be active, I will make my voice known, but my faith will be in God and in His church who He said will not be stopped. Will not be stopped. Secondly, personal awareness. And this is really what I was talking about this this morning. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. How do you resist the devil? You resist the devil by standing with God and refusing to move. I can't see the devil. You know, if you want to read some crazy stuff, read some things that Martin Luther wrote about how he fought the devil. I mean, just some weird stuff. Um, Martin Luther was a good man, did a lot of good things. I'm not trying to indict his whole life on that. I'm just saying he had a real weird thing going about how he, you know, would scorn the devil and different things. Folks, I don't know. I can't see where the devil is. I, 
you know, sometimes when I preach about him, I sense that he makes things go, go difficult in my life. This week was not one of those weeks. Okay? How do I resist him? I resist him by obeying God and living in God and saying no to the lies that he is perpetuating in our society. Satan works through lies, so we have to be people of the truth. We've got to know God's word and live God's word. I saw a little piece this morning of a, of a man who had been a prisoner of war in, in North Vietnam, and, and he was a Christian before he went there. And he says his cellmate was not a Christian. He was asking, tell me about the Bible, tell me about God. And he said, you know what, I just didn't have that much knowledge in me. I, I would give him everything I had, and, and he'd ask me, tell me another Bible story. And I'd tell him one from two months ago that I'd already told him. And he said, I made a commitment to come out of there. I'm going to know God's word. Do you know God's word well enough to not get infected by the lies? My wife had a, the virus thing that's going around a week or so ago. I don't kiss her when she's sick. <laughs> that's how smart I am. Okay. Don't kiss the world because it's sick. Know God's truth and live by God's truth. Be in the Word. Know the Word. Live the Word. You see, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Now, he's not saying that they're out there preaching the gospel of Christ, but he's saying that their work in the world looks really good, and, and you're tempted to go, well, that sounds pretty good. But when you actually open the Bible and compare what they're saying and what God is saying, you go, wait a minute. But if you don't know the word, you won't be able to identify the germs. By spiritual grief, when we see sin becoming more and more accepted, our natural reaction is anger and fear and disgust. And if we would really grasp the satanic influence over our society, I think we might respond like Paul did when he talked about his Jewish brothers. And so when he speaks, he's going to be talking about the nation of Israel and his, his Jewish brothers. But I think this applies to us. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. And he goes on to talk about them having a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. God's chosen people, his brothers, rejected the Savior by crucifying him. And what was his response? I hate those stupid people. What's wrong with them? Is that how he responded? Or did he look and say, oh man, my heart breaks for those people. They don't realize what they've done. Spiritual grief 
God's chosen people, God's chosen people rejected their Savior by crucifying him. Has our country done anything worse than that? Paul was so grieved for his countrymen that he wished he could take their place in hell. In other words, he said, I'll go to hell if, if they can all go to heaven. Wow. Wow, that's some kind of commitment that I'm not at yet. When you feel angry with our society, be angry with Satan. When you see foolishness, grieve for the ruin of their lives. And not just grieve, but pray. First Timothy 2, in instructions to the church, it says, I exhort first of all, or as a primary importance, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is a good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Folks, it's not over till it's over. And so we need to be praying. We need to pray for those who march in the gay pride parade. We need to pray for the judges who took the roadblock to homosexual marriage out of the way this week. We need to pray for whoever and whatever is opposing God's truth. And we need to be making disciples. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The only real change in people comes from the life in Christ. We can make laws against sin, and we've had many of them for many years. I remember when we, you know, we we lived over on the east part of the county 35 years ago, and so we kind of knew the whole culture thing of the of the north end up here where you need a passport to get into that other town up there. And, and uh, Linden, you need to have a Dutch passport to get in. <laughs> Not Canada. Back then, you just wave to the guards as you go through into Canada. And we were, I remember in Seattle watching the evening news. And there in the tavern, guy that used to attend our church, and the feature on the news was about how they were going to change the law so you could have drinking and alcohol in the same establishment. And it was big news because in Linden that used to be against the law. Used to be against the law to have your store open on Sunday. Used to be against the law to sell uh, liquor under certain circumstances. That's why a certain business located just outside the city limits at that time. We used to have all those laws in our country Did it make us a righteous people? People chafed under the law. They skated around under the law. The way people change is through faith in Christ. When I was a volunteer firefighter 30 plus years ago, we didn't wear rubber gloves. And we were taught to do mouth-to-mouth breathing. I only ever got into a situation where that was called for once and I found a way to get out of it. I did a lot of CPR, but we usually had a bag mask to, you know, to do that with. We really didn't worry about the germs that much. I mean, mouth to, the whole mouth-to-mouth thing really wasn't about germs. It was more about, I'm not putting my mouth on that guy's mouth, you know, whatever. We just didn't really think about germs that much, except in some real extreme kind of case. 
But you fast forward 15, 20 years to some of my friends who are firefighters down in Seattle, and they're wearing two layers of gloves and still really worried. And one of the biggest stresses in their line of work is getting infected. I had a friend who was a volunteer firefighter, and he, he just went to lift somebody up, and a, a, a bramble underneath the guy poked his glove and opened it up, and this fellow's blood got in there into the poke, and this fellow was HIV positive. Man, that's, that's stress-inducing big time. And he had a tough six months while he took all those medications and waited for the reports to make sure he was not positive, and he wasn't, thankfully. And many people would avoid the firefighting business for that very reason, because there's all kinds of nasty business there. And, and if I could show you, if I could paint with a map all the place that Satan has infected our society, you'd say, well, I'm going to stay away from that place. And the truth is, you just can't do it because it's pervasive. It's all around us. Yes, we should avoid it, you know, turn the TV channel Stop listening to whatever we can. Don't read certain things. Absolutely. But our society is so infected, the only way we're really going to be safe is if we have got the antidote in us before the germs come to us. And if you want to help your country, if you want to make a real difference, be the people who know the truth, live by the truth, and call others to that truth as well. Father, we grieve for our country this week. We've taken a step in the wrong direction this week. And yet you, you opened the gate on that fence. We, we can't. We struggle with that. But we're going to walk in faith because you are going to preserve your church and you are going to continue to change lives no matter what our society looks like. May we be people of your truth, inoculated against the lies all around us. And may we be people who long for others to know you. I pray in Christ's name, amen.